Welcome back, everyone, to the Spoonful of Sugar podcast, which is brought to you in partnership with Farmerica. I'm John O'Connor from McKnight's, and I'll be co-hosting with TJ Griffin, RPH, who is the Senior Vice President of Long-Term Care Operations and Chief Pharmacy Officer for Farmerica. In each episode, we try to address important matters facing the industry today. But we also like to add a spoonful of sugar, which, as we all know, can help the medicine go down. Our special guest today for part two is one of the most respected and recognized leaders in our sector, Robert G. Kramer. TJ, can you tell us a bit about our special guest? Absolutely, John. As you noted, Bob is is broadly recognized as one of Senior Living's most influential and high-profile thought leaders and connectors. With over 35 years of industry experience, he has earned the reputation of agent provocateur in the senior housing and care industry and aging services field. He's been described as an ice cutter and scout in identifying industries and trends that will disrupt the future of senior housing, aging services, and aging more broadly. And we we just couldn't be more glad to have him aboard. I think one of the messages that we're hearing loud and clear this morning is that our sector really needs to kind of consider a new way of thinking about pretty much everything. And I'm just curious, you know, you've, you've been to God only knows how many communities over the last 35 years or so, and, and more recently probably. What are some of the um, innovative housing and care options that you're seeing that, that really excite you as, as we move forward? Gee, I, I, there are a number of things. One I would say is I think increasingly older adults don't want to feel that in the setting they're in, they've been marginalized for their role in society. They want to be, just in the example I gave of those residents at at Goodwin Living, Goodwin House, they want to be seen as part of the solution, not part of the problem. And it also means they don't want to sort of be put off in a corner. I think we're going to see more and more intergenerational living, not necessarily for 24 hours a day, but for 12 hours a day. In other words, where both where that senior living community is physically is, but also in terms of where there's much more extensive interaction with people of all ages and with what's going on outside the walls of that building. And I think that's a good thing. I also think we're going to see different themes that are going to figure much more in attracting the customers of the future. And everything from a wellness theme and people thinking about that to an activist theme, the community I was just visiting up in New England, they are, (laughs) they're not just reliving their activism of the 60s, they're doing it. And uh, a group of residents in different Kendall communities have started an environmental activism advocacy organization, which they're now spreading nationwide. And so I think both globally and locally, you're going to see more and more seniors communities seen as very much they're part of the pulse of the broader local community. So that's activism. I also think you're going to see much more focus on what has been called lifelong learning. And I would I like what Chip Connolly at Modern Elder Academy, the founder of that, he calls it learning for a long life. And I look at uh, LaSalle Village on the grounds of LaSalle University in Newton, Mass. Each resident that comes in to that CCRC you sign a commitment that you will either teach 
or take courses equivalent for a total of 350 hours a year. That's 350 hours a year. And they have a long waiting list. And they have not, they're not everyone's moving in with a college degree, but I recently witnessed a 95-year-old woman getting her college degree because she had gone back to complete the degree she'd never gotten. So ongoing learning, uh, service, volunteerism. I think you're going to see more and more focus on that within senior living communities, partly to defray costs of staff, but also because of this sense of vitality. So mentoring, teaching, even caregiving. So these sorts of themes around activism, around learning, around volunteerism and service, around wellness, to me, that's exciting. And I'm, you know, I look at the phenomenal success of Enso Village, a new seniors community built by Kendall in Northern California in partnership with the Buddhist Society of America. They can't believe how fast people are signing up. And it's all about lifestyle and it's all about wanting to be with people who share common commitments and common visions of their role in society and their role in the world. And I think we're going to see more and more of that going forward in the future. Well, Bob, you know, Baskin Robbins is famous for offering 31 flavors of ice cream. And I know you once predicted that we would eventually see a similarly wide selection of senior living options. Do you, do you believe we're still headed in that direction? Or do you think we're headed towards more consolidation or, or both? Well, in one sense, both. I think from an operating landscape, I think the key phrase now there is what I would call concentrated scale. So if you look at what Ventos did with the old Eclipse portfolio and divvying it up among t- 10 different regionally based providers, and clearly even the bigger institutional investors are saying, um, we think scale is valuable, but, but it's scale where you're in a local market or a regional area and you can be really focused on and very nimble in responding to situations in those markets. So in that sense, I think we're seeing scale not so much on a national level, but this phrase concentrated scale, TJ. I think in addition to that, though, yes, I think we're going to see exploding variety of options. And again, I look at it several ways. One's by uh, socioeconomic level that you're aiming at. What we've termed it, and I see the forgotten middle. This is a huge market. Right now, primarily, uh, folks are trying to serve that by basically skinning down the services and going to more of an active adult model because you can get a lower price points on the rents because you have very little services. Uh, the bigger challenge is when people need services, how do you make that affordable at a middle market uh, rate? But I think so there's, there's sort of price point diversity, I would say, without question. There's level of, of service in terms of care service intensity. But then overall, there's, I think, key to the future of senior living with the boomer population and Gen Xers coming behind that will be creating personalized, customized experiences that make life worth living. And that'll be the attraction. And obviously, what those experiences are vary with each person. And even the examples I gave of different sort of, I mean, you know, Margaritaville, eat, drink, and be merry, and and Jimmy Buffett. 
It has no appeal to me and my wife, but there's a waiting list. So much so that Disney said, huh, we've got all these all these boomers and they grew up with Disney and we've got all these Disney clubs. Well, gee, we can have 55 plus Disney themed communities. Now, I'm not eager to have a Mickey Mouse themed community, but Disney believes there's market depth there and their ability to do fun and hospitality. They think there's a huge opportunity there. But my point is that providing these personalized, customized experiences um, that's going to be key for the future of senior living. And it's going to lead to incredible diversity. It'll also lead to some failures where you think there's an affinity group that's deep enough for your product and you discover, you know, it was a great mailing list, but once you use it, it doesn't keep replenishing itself. And it's not as deep a market as you thought. And they'll, they'll be that. Just the other day, I was contacted by a woman who has a concept for basically a Beatles-themed, and I mean the musical group, themed community, because she's in touch with all the Beatles fans clubs, which are, I gather, huge. And there are an enormous number of people, 55 and over, in these fan clubs. And so just as there's a Beatles station on Sirius Radio, and there's a Jimmy Buffett station, and they that was translated to Margaritaville. So I don't know what they'll call it, Beatlemania? I'm not quite sure. But long and short of it, yes, I think we're going to see a lot of diversity in the future. And I think that's going to be exciting. And we're going to have to offer things different that are aspirational and lifestyle focused. Otherwise, I mean, if we're just going to have a care-driven product, then we better understand the majority of folks in the future won't even be thinking about, let alone coming into our product until their late 80s and beyond. And that means, by the way, since the oldest boomer is 76, that we're about 12 years away from seeing that boomer wave in assisted living and memory care and independent living of today's version. I'm going to hold out for the Led Zeppelin retirement community. I think, you know, that's that's where we're headed. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Bob, I, I think most people uh, know you as, as the person who helped start and for a long time ran NIC. More recently, you've, you've been with Nexus Insights. And for the folks that aren't familiar with the organization and, and what you're doing there, could, could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Nexus Insights is a think tank that um, I led the creation of back in the spring of 2020. Yes, that was the time of COVID. And our mission is to advance the well-being of older adults. And we use that phrase deliberately. It's broader than just your physical and even mental health, but the well-being of older adults through innovative models of housing, community, and health care. And we see those three as very much being integrated. And we, we, we are very focused on, as, as I said, new and innovative models. And in being a little contrarian with some of our points in order to, to um, drive this disruptive innovation in our space. So uh, together with uh, uh, 11 other uh, fellows, we, we're all, I'm, a, I'm the founder of Nexus Insights but I'm a fellow there along with uh, 11 others. And they're deliberately a, a great cross-section. Uh, Two-thirds are a generation younger <laughs> than I am, and that's not accidental. And 
In addition to that, some, some come uh, from an operating background, some come from research and academia, some come from the public policy world, some come from startups and a history of successfully doing startups in aging and healthcare and age tech and health tech. But our name itself and our whole approach, the name Nexus Insights is about how it's at the nexus point or intersection of differing points of view and differing backgrounds and differing perspectives that real innovation happens. That's what we're trying to model in both the fellows that we have as fellows at Nexus, as well as how we approach some of the challenging issues in uh, aging and aging services today. So it's broader than just seniors housing, John, and, and that background, but it's really how are we driving positive change that ultimately really advances the well-being of older adults by thinking differently in terms of innovative models of housing, uh, health and healthcare and community. Terrific. Well, TJ, you get the last question. There's been this shift, as you have talked about, from fragmented single point healthcare solutions and technology. How do you see technology, telehealth, how do we take that to the next level in our industry? First of all, I think we need to realize both the opportunity it, it presents itself and we've got to realize where the, where's the competition. What I mean by that is many people ask me, TJ, what's the greatest external threat to our sector, meaning seniors, housing, and care? And the usual answer is the home. And I say, no way. And I make the point that the home has always been there. And secondly, for many people, the move is a move into what's going to be their new home. But what I do say is that the greatest threat, I think, are outside disruptors entering our field who see an opportunity to serve our customers in a better, cheaper, more customized, more convenient way than do we. And then I talk about who are those folks? Big tech, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, big retail, Walmart, Best Buy, obviously Amazon, retail pharmacy, Walgreens, CVS, and big insurance, different insurance companies. And I make the point that these folks, they're not exhausted and they're not financially strained. They can invest, as Amazon did a few weeks ago, $3.9 billion in a bidding war with CVS for one medical. And if it doesn't work, they'll apply the lessons learned. And these folks, they've targeted healthcare. And within that, many have also targeted senior care because there are real dollars to be made there in terms of their prescriptions, in terms of services they want in the home, in terms of the convenience they want. So coming back to your point, those folks, those outside, those outside disruptors, TJ, they're well aware of what technology, and in this case specifically telehealth, offers. And in addition to that, payers, the private payers, the MA plans, who are holding that healthcare dollar risk, they're going to have an increasing role as their penetration rate keeps going up. First, it was 2030. Then it was 2025. Now, many people say that by the end of next year, 
end of 2023, 50% of all eligible Medicare recipients will be on managed Medicare. That's huge, 50%. And so for those managed Medicare plans, they're going to have increasing say in where their plan members live. So if you're a property that feels like pharmacy assessment, telehealth options, the opportunity to practice preventative medicine inside your building, that's a new age thing or that's something for somebody else, you're, there are going to be fewer and, well, let's put it, there are going to be more and more disincentives for people to move into your building. Because basically one of the things seniors learned, others knew it, but seniors really learned it during COVID, was that you can get almost anything delivered to your home and in your home. And if we're not doing it in their homes that are assisted living uh, and, uh, and our memory care and our independent living, they're going to look for folks where that is the case. It's going to mean longer lengths of stay, which is important these days. It's going to mean also uh, being able to differentiate ourselves in the market. And by the way, also have a real strategy that works in flu season or whatever the next virus pandemic is. Great stuff. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time and that's going to have to be the final word. Uh, Bob, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's a, it's great fun to be with you again, John and TJ, to, to interact uh, uh, with you and John together. I can tell we easily could keep this going for a while, but <laughs> thanks for having me on the program and giving me this chance to dialogue with you. Have a great day. You too. Special thanks to Farmerica, whose generous support made this presentation possible. To learn more about ways Farmerica can deliver world-class pharmacy services to your organization, we invite you to visit them online at www.farmerica.com. Along with TJ Griffin, this is John O'Connor wishing you health and happiness. See you next time.